Welcome to Hollywood's Haunted, the podcast. We are guides for the Hollywood's Haunted Tours in Hollywood, California. And we are here to discuss everything from hauntings and murders to the evil underbelly of Tinseltown. Our hosts today are Tia, Jameson, and me, Roxana. I'm going first today. So the the theme of today is... Haunted dolls. Ooh, All right. Um, so to start us off, I have a quick little story. There wasn't a lot to this story. A lot of it's legend, hearsay. The story's been changed over and over again. So I can just give you kind of like the gist of the story. There's not a lot of specifics and details. And it's fairly short. So, uh, But then at the end, after you two guys go, I do have like a little thing I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that when I get there. Okay. Exciting. So I, I get, Sounds good. I'm going to bookend this episode. Uh, so I'm talking about the Island of the Dolls in Mexico. So uh, before I start, I got my information from a few places. So uh, the first I ever heard of the Island of the Dolls was actually on an episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Uh, if you've ever seen the show, it's pretty funny. And I think they do a good job. Uh, and then my mom recently bought me a magazine for my birthday. I collect magazines. I'm sure you guys have seen them at my apartment on like serial killers, history, scary places, like a bunch of stuff that, um, you know, I love. So she got me this magazine. It is Centennial Presents World's Scariest Places. And the first thing my mom my mom was like, I flipped through it a little bit before I sent it to you. Uh, and if you guys don't know, which I guess our audience doesn't know, my birthday is the day before Halloween, which is super appropriate, which was just a couple days ago, even though this is going to air a little later on. Um, I had a great time. It was Happy awesome. Birthday. Yeah, I had a wonderful phallic candle and, uh, <laughs> uh, and it was great. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, anyways, so, uh, she was like, oh, I flipped through it a little bit and I looked at that Island of the Dolls. That's so creepy. Like this was a story that, uh, she talked about, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, huh? And I was thinking about that. And I think that's what I was thinking when I, uh, assigned your assignments last week. Cause I did get this a little bit before my birthday. So... The Island of the Dolls. Here we go. Uh, So just south of the center of Mexico City, uh, a little, you take a little ferry ride down the canals uh, and very close to uh, the, very close to the Estadio Azteca football stadium, there is the town of Cochimilico. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. (laughs) It starts with an X. X-O-C-H-I-M-L-I-C-O. Cochilico. Something like that. It's known for its colorful uh, boats called the Trajinaras. And they float through the canals. Now, this area has been a uh, tourist attraction for quite some time. Since, like, the 30s and 40s, there was a famous film filmed there in 1943 by Emilio Fernandez called Maria Candelaria. 
Uh, it was starring Pedro Ar- Armendieras and uh, Dolores Del Rio was the star in it. So since that time, tourists have gone there. There's a lot to benefit uh, tourists. They especially have these beautiful, beautiful boats that you can get on, float through the canals. Uh, they have these boats that come up alongside the canals. Um, oh, another person that I found some of this on was Alexander Travelbum. He actually floats on one of the canals through this with his girlfriend. Uh, they have these other boats that come up alongside the canals. They're like bars and restaurants that it float by. So these boats hold like up to 20 tourists, but most of the time you can usually get like your own and have this boat to yourself. And then these other boats come and float up along that have like mangoes and uh, uh, cerveza. And like, it's a, it's a fun time. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, there's also uh, water lilies that are um, endangered in the area. So uh, there is, it's called ecotourism uh, on the place where uh, they have established the tourism to not affect the, um, the wildlife. So it's very eco-friendly and it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, so you can pay 50 pesos per person to uh, get on one of these canals and then float on over to the Island of the Dolls, which is such a tourist attraction at this point that uh, there are a couple fake Island of the Dolls set up uh, <laughs> around. Uh, but most of most of the people there working know where the real one is. So in the 1950s, uh, it was owned, the land uh, was owned by Julian Santana Barrara. And I'm so sorry if I, I am born and bred Californian, so I'm so sorry if I should know how to pronounce, uh, <laughs> I should know how to pronounce this, especially because I'm half Hispanic, um, but I where don't. Where is Jessica when you need her? Where is my, yeah, where is my roommate when I need her? <laughs> uh, so, uh, Julian, he would sell vegetables uh, in the near neighborhood of uh, Barrio del de la Asuncion. 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 Uh, he would sell vegetables there. Uh, due to his superstitions, he decided he was going to begin to preach the Bible, uh, which in the sector, I guess they weren't into the Christian Bible, and uh, he was kind of expelled from that area of the land. That's not what they believed, so they persecuted him for his beliefs, and he had to leave, and he ended up going uh, down the canals to have his own area of land and lived in solitude there uh, by himself. Uh, now, according to legend, and the dates kind of go back and forth on this, but in the magazine, it says that this happened in 1951. While he was, uh, while he was around the canals, he found the body of a young girl floating in the canals who had drowned. Uh, soon after finding the body of this young girl, he found a doll floating by. 
he believed that the doll was belonged to the young girl. Now it kind of goes back and forth uh, on what happened next. Uh, some say that he began to hear voices and whispers around the island. Uh, and because of this, he hung the doll up uh, because he specifically heard the young girl crying out for her doll. So he hung it up in a tree so that she would see it, but the voices and whispers didn't stop. It's also said that he, once he found the doll, he hung it up in the tree to honor the young girl, but soon after he felt evil spirits in the area. Um, it's also said that he was suffering the loss of a girlfriend and this is why he was by himself on the island. But for whatever reason, he believed that hanging up the this doll in the tree was going to keep him and protect him and uh, honor this young girl. But it started to get a little, in my opinion, out of control. He started to dig through the trash uh, of the area to find more dolls uh, and different dolls that he would find floating around the island, which is a little creepy because there are thousands of dolls hanging up on this island. For the next 40 to 50 years, he started hanging up these dolls, which this island is kind of secluded to, on its own by itself. So it's very strange that there was this amount of dolls showing up, but there's all different types of dolls hanging. The place is very visual, so I highly suggest people look up on YouTube what this place looks like because it's so creepy. Uh, I'm gonna show you guys a picture. Let me find it in this magazine. I have some pictures here. Jameson, if you get a chance, definitely look up this place. It is so weird. Now, the story, definitely. rumor has it also that uh, he would see the dolls moving on their own, which no, to me is no terrifying. No. Uh, because these dolls are like missing body parts and like hanging in the trees and are like covered in spiders. Ah. <laughs> super creepy. Uh, when the guys from BuzzFeed Unsolved go there, they like get super attacked by spiders. And I'm like, if the dolls weren't gonna scare me, like I would be out. The first spider I saw, I would be out because oh. I'm spiders oh. in the jungle. What the heck are you talking about? Yeah, right? Living oh. in you know, trashy dolls that are hanging up. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm showing Roxana the picture. Oh, yeah, some are missing heads. That's oh, yeah. Limbs. Some are naked. Some don't have eyes. Just hollow pits of terror. Yeah, yeah no. So, this is... so typical, doll, typical scary doll situation. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. So, like, he's miles from civilization. So for him to hear voices uh, and find these dolls around the island is definitely strange. Uh, but yeah, he would hear voices and whispers and he claims that it was the young girl. There's also stories saying that it's evil spirits. But in 2001, uh, Julian dies of a heart attack in the exact same spot where the body of the girl was found. Uh, so his <clears throat> nephew now lives on the property and it's definitely uh, an attraction, a curiosity to yeah. say the least at this point. He lives on the island? Yes. The nephew? His yeah. nephew. Uh, and his, ne his nephew uh, maintains the area 
uh, for you know tourists to arrive. Nowadays, it's it's more or less a tourist trap, but sure. uh, yeah, the nephew's not adding. Any At, dolls no, okay. no. But <clears throat> tourists will come and bring their own dolls mm. uh, to offer to the little girl spirit. I don't think that uh, satisfied her, obviously. Yeah. The original doll can be found on the island. It is still there mm-hmm. uh, in one of the areas. Uh, but it's definitely interesting, to say the least. Uh, oh. But that's really all the information I could find on the island of the dolls. Uh, it's creepy, though. Yeah, it's definitely a place I would consider checking out um maybe during the daytime when i could see these spiders uh <laughs> you know you, coming at yeah. me uh because i'm terribly arachnophobic i am probably more scared of spiders than i am of demons well that's um, because spiders can <laughs> actually bite you and you can die yeah, yeah. there's proof yeah. of spiders yeah existing uh not to say the demons don't exist but there's more proof that spiders exist yes yeah yeah so yeah that's uh the island of the dolls Ooh, and that's where garbage pail kids come from right yes yes (laughs) right on well that was a that was an interesting story i think i've heard of the island of the dolls before but i'll definitely have to look it up on youtube and check that out Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's gonna be uh pretty creepy um speaking of creepy dolls uh i got i got robert the living doll. <laughs> and uh, I had never heard of this doll. Um, I am uh, old enough to remember seeing Child's Play, you know, a long time ago, the original. It, uh, not in the theater, but right when it came out, I saw mm. it and I didn't get very through. I didn't get it uh, through it very quickly. I, I was I was definitely scared of that stuff. So, But I never really had a major problem with dolls. I do think they're creepy sometimes, but... You know, they, I was never freaked out by them or anything like that. But when I when I saw the picture of this this doll, I definitely was uh, definitely weirded out, like definitely creeped out. And uh, I think this this guy takes the trophy as far as the creepiest looking doll that I've ever seen. So I didn't hear about Robert the Living Doll until I actually went on a cruise with my wife, and we docked in Key West. And when we were walking around the town, we we found a, a thing for a. Uh, like a walking tour, a walking haunted tour. So uh, I was like, great, let's do it. And we did. And uh, towards the end of the tour, he busted out the Robert the Living Doll story. And uh, we stood in front of the actual house, which is um, on 534 Eaton Street. And uh, it's known known in the area as the Artist House. So that's kind of the nickname of the house itself. And, uh, you know, doing research about this, you kind of uh, learned more facts than fiction, and that's always good. But I think the, you know, the stories like this, haunted dolls and haunted houses and stuff. I I, I think something always happens to, and and it it plays a telephone game after that. You know, it's always interesting. Mm-hmm. People spread it around, and well, I heard this. Well, somebody told me that this happened, and you know, maybe something that's really either small or something that did happen, but is minute gets blown up and. You know, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's just out of control. So, I'm, I think I'm going to tell you the version that I heard first, and then mm-hmm. I'll kind of come in with more facts towards the end, let's say. But mm-hmm. um, uh, it was a pretty cool story, I thought, and uh, here it goes. Um, so, Robert, uh, sorry, Eugene Robert Otto is the family, the Otto family. Uh, lived in Key West, and they were a very well to do family. And the owner had slaves 
and he had a relationship uh, with one of the slaves, and and the slave got pregnant. And of course, the wife found out and uh, killed killed the baby. And the slave was the slave woman was just devastated, of course, that her son had been killed, and um, decided to make a, a, a doll herself and built the, built up Robert and gave it to uh, the son, Rob, uh, uh, Robert Eugene uh, Otto. Sorry, I said his name backwards, and I apologize for that. It's Robert Eugene Otto. Yeah. Um, when I so, first looked it up, the first story I found actually had his name as that, and I was like, huh, I don't remember it being that way. So I, I apologize. It's Robert Eugene Otto. Um, but she, the, the, the woman uh, gave the doll to Robert, and he was pretty young. I think he was maybe like seven or eight. But uh, when he got the doll, his, uh, he immediately started referring to the doll himself as Robert uh, and, and insisted that everyone else call him by Eugene from, or just Gene from that point on. So the parents thought that was a little bit odd, but whatever. And he started dressing him up like him in his own clothes. And um, the parents would hear him talking to the doll sometimes. And they thought it was all cute and stuff. But then uh, apparently one time the parents heard them talking and then uh, when the boy spoke, a, a deeper, lower voice answered back. <laughs> oh, God. And so the parents <clears throat> kind of were a little bit freaked out by that. Mm -hmm. A couple months goes by, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Gene uh, wakes up screaming his head off, and the parents rush into the bedroom, and all the whole room's been flipped around, you know, dressers and toys and all this stuff has been thrown around, and and Gene is screaming. Uh, you know, crying in bed, hiding, and he said, it wasn't me, it was Robert. And Robert's sitting on the edge of the bed, just kind of staring forward. And so the parents were like, what the heck is going on? You know, like, there's no way that our kid could have thrown all this stuff around. You know, he doesn't act this way. But soon after that, they start seeing things, you know, moving around the house. Um, again, uh, Gene himself, his attitude is completely different. He's carrying the doll around everywhere he goes. He's making everybody refer to the doll again as Robert. So it, it's really creepy. Everyone around the town is, is weirded out by it. And, and they're weirded out by it because the older he gets, the more he's still holding onto the doll and again, referring to himself, you know, in the third person. So everyone's really like, this guy's wacko. Uh, the parents, when he's about uh, 17 or 18, the parents send him off to uh, England for, to go to art school. And he actually, he, he finally leaves Robert behind. And they throw him up in the, in the attic and uh, lock him in there. And apparently that didn't make Robert very happy. So mm. uh, Gene is in Europe and uh, he meets his wife. Um, uh, I'm sorry. After England, he goes to Paris to become an art, uh, to study art. He's an art student over there. And uh, he meets his wife, Anne. And they marry on May 3rd, 1930. Come back. Uh, and as soon as he returns home and he's, uh, he finds, uh, he, he ends up going upstairs to get something out of the attic and he finds, uh, Robert and immediately he's right back to doing the same thing. He's brings the doll downstairs and he's introducing it to his wife and, you know, talking like it's like his like long lost cousin or something like that. And so his wife's a little weirded out by it, but apparently his attitude changes as soon as he's around the doll again, he starts becoming a real, you know, just a real bastard and knocking her around and just being really mean to everybody. And uh, finally, it just basically becomes like a, not a psychopath, but just a totally weird guy where he's constantly walking around with this doll and his, 
and no, and nobody knows what's going on. People that uh, people that uh, walk past the house say that the doll would be sitting in a chair looking out the window, and the doll would follow you, like would watch you walk by. Mm-hmm. Um, a plumber came into the house and he said that that things were. Uh, he the, the plumber heard children's laughter inside the house, but there was nobody home. Ooh. They, the doll now. Uh, okay, and okay, so to finish off the story that I heard, what the story I was told, and I didn't find this anywhere online, but I thought it was very interesting, was that um, basically he held on to Robert and treated him like a member of the family until he died. And when he died, he left it in his basically everything in the house to Robert. I'm sorry, to his wife with uh, uh, with the caveat of if she doesn't have like his, his own room, then. You know, like if she tries to lock him away or put him away or throw him away or anything, she loses everything. Um, so, you know, she still got everything, but she had to keep Robert in, in the picture, basically. And uh, she would, you know, she hated the doll. You know, she hated the way she hated everything about it. First of all, it's a freaky looking doll. And the fact that, you know, her husband treated her this way, you know, whatever. So uh, 20 years goes by. Oh, the house is actually sold. Um by a woman named Myrtle Revter. She buys the house and she has it for 20 years and she actually has, uh, in, uh, apparently she had control of Robert for about 20 years and she did kind of weird things with him too, but nothing to that extreme nature of <laughs> what Jean was doing. Um, and then uh, finally she donated the, uh, the doll to the Fort West Martello Museum in Key West. So now he is on display there, causing havoc in the museum. Uh, he likes to uh, mess with electronics, apparently. People's cameras won't work if they try to take pictures of him without asking. Um, a lot of people say they have, uh, he's cur- that he's cursed. Like, if you don't ask permission or you don't say hello, then you'll be cursed. So when, when I was reading about it, they said that he receives two to, f- two to five pieces of mail a day from people, uh, you know, requesting various things, asking questions, things like that. Um, so that was the story that I was told, uh, doing research. A lot of that story didn't pop up. So I thought it was kind of, uh, fun to hear from a local who maybe grew up with that story or, you know, was told that by a local because obviously Mm -hmm. I was in Key West when I saw it or uh, when I was on the tour. Um, from what I, from what I read, uh, Robert was actually a, a, a doll from Germany and, um, there was a company called the Steiff company that, uh, his grandfather uh, reportedly um, purchased in Germany and brought back for uh, for him to have. And uh, when they've done some research, they think that possibly the doll was intended to be like a, some uh, sort of uh, display for like a window. Uh, and that's why he was so tall. Because, I mean, it, it's a pretty big doll. Like it's, it's I think it's 40 inches. He's 40 inches tall. Uh, mm-hmm. And... Some some reports said that he's made out of straw and fabric, and then others said that he was made out of wood wool, which is also called excelsior. Oh, I know what that is. Which I've never it's heard like of. It's like a but, packaging uh, material. I know about it from a play called The Bad Seed. Uh, okay. They burn so, they burn the gardener alive, or the little girl burns the gardener alive in the excelsior. Okay. That's what he likes to sleep in. Um, it's, never mind. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd never heard of wood wool before, but it doesn't sound very comfortable. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, another thing I forgot to mention is that um, 
a lot of people feel that uh, he looks like he he he, he gets older, that mm. he uh, gets like like spots on his face and stuff that come and go, mm. uh, and that he you know he's got these little black beady eyes that are really creepy, but um, they sometimes say that he uh, like his his gaze will follow you or uh, you know he can he can move move around the room and stuff like that I, you know they saw him running up the stairs stuff like that you know uh but but yeah they say that he does age and uh that's kind of creepy mm-hmm. um so when i when i did the research i didn't see anything about anything about uh the boot well that's not true uh anything about the them having like a like a love affair or baby situation uh, he, some people did say that it was like a voodoo doll made by like one of the slaves to give as a present to the baby kind of thing or to the son. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, 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 again, the, the reports of the grandfather bringing it back would, would squash that. So, yeah. So w- you said you knew a lot about this. Did, did that story, did my story or the story I, you know, or the facts that I looked up? No, you pretty much got it all. Uh, yeah. The only thing I would add on that is that the room that uh, Robert was kept in was, like, was a room that had a huge, like, bay window, like, a rounded bay window. I don't know how to explain it. So, uh, it's a very prominent feature on the house. You went to go see the house, right? Yeah, we, we, the tour went past it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so the window's very prominent, and the fact that, like, uh Robert Eugene Otto or Gene Otto would put Robert in a chair in this window like that would be the first thing you would see walking by this house right. uh which is very creepy um, yeah but yeah and that was the window that supposedly everybody would walk by and he would follow you uh mm-hmm. I think they kind of implied too that like if you went around to the other side of the house he would move from window to window so I think they kind of implied that too yeah, uh, but it wasn't really cl- clearly stated that way. But they were like, "You would move from window to window," so I, I would guess that there was like a second window in the area, maybe up in the attic or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't recall how big the window was. I mean, it, this is almost you know 15 years ago that I saw this. So, uh, but yeah, I did. They definitely made a point to be like he was propped up in a big window mm-hmm. <laughs> with a chair, staring down at the sidewalk, and everybody would walk by and be like, "Ugh." Yeah. So, and uh, again, same same as what he was saying earlier. For those that are listening, I highly recommend looking up a picture of this guy because they have him cute, dressed in a cute little sailor outfit. But he's then you so see the scary. doll, and you're like, "Holy crap! That's a- that's a haunted doll right there." You know, terrifying. Yeah. I um, also the- also heard that he doesn't like to have his picture taken. You have to ask permission to take his mm-hmm. picture, or mm-hmm. uh, something terrible will happen to you, which is why uh, he gets a lot of mail of people mm-hmm. asking forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yep. For various things that happen. Um, yep. Yeah, I think it's super creepy. I sent you guys a picture of that little kid who was Robert for Halloween. That's yes, even that more was terrifying. Really creepy. <laughs> oh, I don't think I saw that. Oh, uh, maybe you did show it to me, but I, yeah, they uh, they had one yeah. photo that I haven't been able to find again. But um, it, it, he had like a little baby hoodie on. And I was like, I got like chills. I was like, Ugh. what the hell is that? Uh, every other, video, you know, every photo I've seen is, is of the one of him in the in the museum. So, uh, but yeah, somehow they had like one of those flip books and they showed me his picture. And it was like, it was a real close up of his face. And he had this baby blue like hoodie on and it was, oh my God. Yeah. 
Mm. Uh, Roberts, one thing that I probably will not go visit. No, yeah, I don't need uh, to do that. Other haunted places I'm very intrigued about, and I want want to go visit them. You know, the mm-hmm. Whaley House in San Diego is on my list. It's like one of the most. It's supposed to be the most haunted house uh, in America. What, uh, Winchester? The the Whaley House in San oh, Diego. The Whaley house. I've been to the Winchester, and I definitely want to talk about that on this tour. I've been to the Winchester. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, uh, super cool house. Yeah, uh, but Robert is like one thing that terrifies me and I probably will I probably I'm good you know (laughs) probably don't need to go because like mm, yeah nope all you have to do is say hi and ask his permission he's nice after that yeah something about those little black beady eyes that are oh my god they look like little olives that will suck your soul <laughs> yeah, it's it's it. He almost looks like it almost looks like a he has like a coconut husk for a face or something like that. Like it's uh, this very smooth, but wooden looking face. And you know, oof. you know what Robert looks like. Oh right? yeah, oh, I've, yeah, I've seen pictures so, definitely. Yeah. So who, who yeah. It's he's in the museum. Yeah. yeah. What's the museum called again? Uh, it's called the Fort West Martello Museum. Um, M A R T E L L O. In Key West, Florida. But yeah, there's a movie about Robert as well out there. Did you watch the yes. movie? Yes. Oh yeah, I meant to say that. Uh, that movie has spawned. That that uh, Robert has had five movies made after him. Okay. Oh wow. Five in five years. Oh wow. <laughs> Since 2015, they've come out with a movie a year. It's like Robert, Robert the Living Doll, Robert the Revenge of the Living Doll, the Revenge of the Revenge of the Living Doll. <laughs> oh uh, my god. Nice. But but did you watch any of them? I did not watch any of them. Oh, they okay. said that the first one was uh, the the they even named the fam the auto the family the auto family. So, mm-hmm. um, but it was like it's loosely based on it, and they said mm-hmm. it, it roughly stuck to the uh, premise of yeah. the story. But um, but yeah, they they even used the last name of the family. Okay, I should check that out. But Robert does terrify me. I don't know if that's a movie I want to watch. Oh, you saw it? I haven't seen it. Okay. Uh, but I should the concept of the doll is terrifying the, in and of itself. I mean, there's yeah. something about his face that's just not right. <laughs> I, I, I certainly think that the whole voodoo doll angle of the story definitely sells it that yeah. much better. Uh, you know, I mean, the, you know, the fact that he bought a creepy German doll and brought it back, and all of a sudden he started acting weird was one thing, but. Uh, you know, the way, if you're like, you know, you killed my baby, here, let's give this to your son, you know, kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> and then but, all of a sudden, the kid immediately is like, evil Damien kid, you know, like, yeah. I, I thought that was... Uh, but even if that story is not true, the, the behavior of uh, Robert Eugene Otto as an adult yes, towards the doll, odd. and the fact that the doll is in his will, yeah. uh, is definitely disturbing. Very um, also, yeah. same thing with that. Same thing. Didn't find anything really in the story that kind of suggested a lot of that. Uh, oh, a lot okay. of that was that. That was all from the from the tour guide that I was with. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't many stories. I mean, of course, the doll was in his life, and yes, they did certain things. But they, like the way he would, his attitude, and him walking around with it all the time, um, that wasn't in a lot of the stories that I read. Hmm. So um, I was glad to have heard this story prior to you giving me this assignment mm-hmm. uh, because it, it made the story a lot more exciting hearing it first. You know? Interesting. 
So Robert Livingdahl. Spooky. Uh, okay, so uh, we're going to talk about another uh, creepy doll. I think we know her as Annabelle. Mm. Now, in order to talk about Annabelle, I also want to talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. So I'm going to kind of give a, a brief history of who they are. I was already talking to Tia that you could probably do an entire episode just about Ed and Lorraine Warren and their paranormal investigations. In fact, multiple uh, there have been multiple movies made from uh, some of the places that they have investigated. Mm -hmm. So who is uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren? So Ed Warren and uh, Jameson, you said you're from Connecticut? Correct. Okay, uh, please let me know if I pronounce this right then. Okay. Uh, so he, Ed Warren, was born 1926 in Bridge. Bridge Bridgeport. Bridgeport. No, I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm making fun of Tia right now. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> to oh, a. You're having trouble with that? I know, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce. No, X and it's also it's making first. fun of the uh, Key and Peel episode where he's trying to pronounce all the very white names. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry oh, to all of his. Connecticut. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> For as many uh, difficult Mexican names or Spanish names as there are to pronounce out here, like Tahunga or Sepulveda or whatever, uh, there is equally uh, difficult uh, Native American words, uh, oh, like yeah. Pequonic and, you know, Massahonaquit and stuff like that. So We all butcher something somewhere. Yeah. My, my father, bless his heart, cannot pronounce Lancashire <laughs> to save his life. Yeah. There you go. He calls it Lancashire every time. And I'm like, Lancashire. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like great. it. Yeah, keep it. It's very Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ed, Warden, Ed Warren, born 1926 in Bridgeport, Connecticut, to a very Catholic family. So Roman Catholic, go to church. He grew up with, you know, all of the Catholic beliefs. Um, but as a child, he was convinced that he was living in a haunted house. And he kind of brought up the conversation to his dad. And his dad really dismissed what he was saying and, and told him um, that there is a rational explanation for everything. Um, but Ed Warren said that his dad never then gave a rational explanation. He just kind of left it at that. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that... That kind of sounds like a typical parent thing. Yeah, like, know? oh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's Because yeah. I said so. Exactly. <laughs> and that wasn't good enough for Ed Warren, so that yeah. kind of spiked his interest in uh, finding other people that had grown up or experienced a haunted house and him trying to figure it out. Mm. So, of course, he wanted to approach everything from the logical, rational perspective, uh, but he also believed in the supernatural and a lot of it was very much based in his uh, catholic religion so angels demons god jesus witches warlocks so this was all kind of already in his belief system um and that was his kind of introduction into the paranormal world and what inspired him to go to all of these different haunted houses. Now, Lorraine Warren was also born in Bridgeport, Connecticut in 1927, 
and her family was very Catholic. So I'm just going to go on a limb and say that probably Bridgeport, Connecticut had a very high Catholic uh, population. Right. I, I don't think I'm speculating too much on that. Mm -hmm. But anyways, a very Catholic family, but for Lorraine, she hadn't had any sort of experience with like haunted houses or growing up or anything like that. But her kind of uh, step into the, the world of the paranormal was that she was slightly clairvoyant and she had the ability to see people's auras. But of course, she had never really talked to anybody about it. So she assumed that everybody kind of had this ability. And one day she was at Catholic school and she mentioned how one of the nuns, the lights around her were much brighter than they were on the other nun. And of course, she thought that everybody had seen this and that she was just making a very obvious um, mm -hmm. observation. And then she was pulled aside by one of the nuns and was told, you do not speak of this ever. Whatever you're seeing, whatever you're mm -hmm. doing, do not talk about it. So she kind of, that was her first realization that what she was experiencing and kind of picking things up about knowing things about people was not normal. And so mm -hmm. she kind of just never really ever talked about it. Um, so Ed and Lorraine, um, they met when they were 16. Uh, they lived in the same town, you know, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Okay. Uh, Ed worked at a local movie theater, and Lorraine would go to that movie theater every Wednesday with her mother. Aww. I know, very cute. Um, and one day, Ed uh, got the courage to ask her out. And so they started dating but as soon as he turned 17, he went and he joined the Navy. So this would have been around 1943. Mm -hmm. So we all know it was happening. World War II. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I yeah. had a blank stare for a second. <laughs> I know things. Uh, yeah. So that means um, as soon as he joined the Navy, he was sent to overseas. And Ed claims to have had a religious slash supernatural experience while overseas i think the the vessel that he was on was attacked it exploded the he was in the water he said that he just saw fire everywhere uh, he grabbed the nearest person and he said he had no idea what direction he was going he just started swimming and all of a sudden he sees almost like this wall of fire and behind the wall of fire he saw the rescue boats and Ed Warren claims that the wall of fire kind of opened up so that he could swim through with his uh, fellow seamen, yeah. Navy <laughs> men, uh, and be rescued. And so that was his whole thing about having faith in God and that he was put mm -hmm. here for a purpose. Um, as soon as he was able to go home, he went home and married uh, Lorraine Warren. So they were married at a very young age. Mm -hmm. um, afterwards, um, they worked as artists. Uh, Ed had always wanted to be an artist, and um, they would he would either sell his paintings or he would teach classes, and that he was really into painting haunted houses. And there was the moment where they kind of both realized um, that they had a connection and that they were kind of put here to do something. I think they were uh, just like driving through the countryside. 
uh, they happened upon, I think they were looking for the haunted house. Lorraine says that they were looking for this haunted place. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm getting a lot of my information. I should have said that first. Uh, there is the official YouTube channel of Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, where it's a lot of the episodes of the interviews with Ed and Lorraine. They used to have their own kind of public access TV shows. So these are kind of stories that Ed and Lorraine were talking. Um, and then there's also a documentary that was released uh, not too long ago called The Devil's Road, um, the true story of Ed and Lorraine Warren, and then also an article with uh, Judy Warren, who is their daughter, called Devil's Road, Judy Spares Details Life Growing Up as a Warren. So that's where I'm getting all my information from. So uh, Ed and Lorraine, they go to this uh, haunt, well-known haunted place, and she claims that the, the boys were too scared to go in and that she went ahead and had the bravery to go in because mm -hmm. she had never had a scary supernatural experience before. Mm -hmm. So when she goes in, she has her first uh, trance, basically. So she's sitting there, and it's almost, she says that she just starts hearing voices of the spirits, and she goes into a trance, and Ed Warren's like, oh my goodness, what is happening? And the people that lived at the house, so they're like, oh, a lot of clairvoyants have this happen to them. Um, and so then that's kind of when she first realized uh, her connection to the supernatural, and she started to develop uh, this ability. And then her and Ed, it wasn't even to make money, it was just they were interested in haunted houses, and that kind of became their hobby to go around, he would paint the haunted houses, and that would be their intro into getting into the house and seeing about all the supernatural stuff. Mm -hmm. And they kind of got the reputation in New England of like, if you have a haunting, call Ed and Lorraine Warren. They're like original Ghostbusters. Exactly. <laughs> and, and Ed would always try to first find the logical and uh, most rational explanation uh, to what was happening. Um, then 1950, their daughter, Judy, is born, uh, Judy Warren. And then in 1952, they started the New England Society for Psychic Research, known as NESPER, and it's still around today. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point to where they were having so many cases to research that they were recruiting people to kind of help them out. Mm -hmm. So they would go through these training sessions, it would be even a few weeks long, uh, to kind of be able to differentiate between what's paranormal or what isn't, how mm -hmm. to collect the information. And then if it was something that warranted the Warren's attention, then they would personally go to these locations. Uh, Ed Warren uh, became a demonologist. Uh, that is somebody that studies and has knowledge about demonology and I guess he was uh, uh, regarded highly by the Catholic Church uh, to the point to where if the Catholic Church had suspicion of there being a sort of demon possession they would call in Ed and Lorraine Warren um, because even now the, the Catholic Church is still a little bit iffy about 
giving out exorcisms. They don't mm-hmm. just allow priests to give out exorcisms willy-nilly. There's like a whole process. They do. They yeah. have to. And so Ed and Lorraine would be somebody that they would bring in to gather this information. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, and so, yeah, so they have that connection with the Catholic Church because this goes into the story with Annabelle as well. And the thing is, they really didn't do it for money or fame. Uh, The thing that Ed kept saying is he wanted to show proof that demons existed, that there was evil, that fooling around with the Ouija board or trying to summon demons or dabbling in witchcraft and the occult uh, would is actually very dangerous and is something that people should not take lightly. Right now, I know Tia, you're smirking <laughs> at me because like, oh, we've so done that stuff. Yeah, I know, I know right? Um, so, uh, but they in the '70s is really when they started to uh, become a little bit uh, well known throughout the country. Uh, they did the. The investigation uh, that inspired the book, The Amityville Horror, which became a few movies Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, The Haunting in Connecticut was another one that a movie was made out of and was kind of well known. I I had seen it in those documentaries about hauntings when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, The Haunting in Rhode Island, which is what the movie The Conjuring is kind of based off of. Oh, wow. And then the devil made me do it case uh, where basically Ed and Lorraine Warren were kind of brought in to build a legal case that this person really was possessed by demons and it was the demons that made them uh, commit these acts. And for Mm -hmm. Ed, it was a very big deal because for him, it was the law recognizing that demons existed. See, because mm-hmm. that's, that's what he was about. And, of course, uh, the possession of the Raggedy Ann doll that we know as Annabelle. Yay. Yay. Can I stop you for a second? Yes. The, the um, case uh, that somebody was possessed, what was that case about? Um, I think the third movie was going to be about it. And it was going to be released this year, but it's going to be released next year. I didn't look too much into it, um, but basically a man committed murders and was saying that he had been possessed by demons, and it was the demons that made him commit these murders. Got it. I'm yeah. going to make that a topic okay. for the future. Exactly. I already know what episode I want to put that on. And I think, I believe that is what The Conjuring Movie 3, the third one, will be about. Mm. Oh, nice. Okay. So, Annabelle. um, A normal-looking Raggedy Ann doll. And just from my research, um, based on what I saw, it looks like she was from the 1970s. Uh, which means that she was probably made by the Knickerbocker Toy Company because there's a, a whole story of the copyright of the Raggedy Ann doll. And at that time, they were the only ones that were able to create it. And so they had the copyright from 1963 into 1982. So already we know 
that this would have not even been a very old doll because I'm referencing this because in the movies, the three Annabelle movies, I'm going to tell you right now, have nothing to do with reality. Um, mm -hmm. they, they, it's all con not even conjecture. They make up their own lore um, because I think the scary part is actually how modern and recent this doll actually was. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the oldest it could have been was in 1963. And it was um, given to uh, a young nurse. She was about 28 years old. And her mother had given it to her for Christmas, uh, the Christmas of 1971. Mm -hmm. uh, I've also heard 1970, but when Ed Warren told the story, he said D December of 1971. I just want to say, like, in the 70s and 80s, it was not uncommon to give adult people dolls like especially like cabbage patch dolls yeah for older like young adults to have these things so it does sound weird that like a 23 year old would get a doll as a gift from her mother but in like i want to say like 60s 70s and 80s it wasn't that and it's uncommon. a really cute doll if yeah. you look at it it is something uh, that you can see uh, an adult wanting because it's not yeah. the plastic. And I'm sure like the popularity of the Raggedy Ann and Andy show that was on. That actually came later. That didn't oh, okay. come until okay. the 80s. Um, so it wasn't the show. Okay, because I had a Raggedy Ann and an yeah, Andy Yeah, but it was still very kid. popular. It had been yeah. made in the 1950s. There was still the, the books. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The and the Knickerbocker Toy Company was also kind of known as a very high-end toy company mm -hmm. um, that would make very quality teddy bears. So they were known for making collectibles. Mm -hmm. Um, I did hear that Lorraine Warren mentioned that the, that the mother of the nurse got it from a hobby store. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think it was brand new because when you go to a hobby store, you're going to find collectibles that, that they're not necessarily toys for children, but that toys that you can also give to an adult mm -hmm. that maybe in their childhood really loved dolls. Yeah. But then I also saw an interview with Tony Sparrow, who is the son-in-law of Ed and Warren. He married Judy. And he speculated that they, they don't know if maybe it was a second-hand doll or anything. But going off of what Jameson said, that could have been a telephone thing. Yeah. Because when Lorraine Warren was talking about it, I believe it was in the 80s. So it was much closer to the time of when it happened. Yeah. When Tony is talking about it, it's, you know, in the 2020. So much more recent. So things yeah. could have changed since then. So basically, anyways, it wouldn't even would have had a huge sordid history. If you see the doll now, it's almost about 50 years old. It's in great condition. Yeah. So even if it was secondhand... It was still very much very good condition, so taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, so again, probably wasn't haunted by the time the nurses got it. We don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, so when the nurse got it, though, she loved it. Uh, she would sleep with it every night, and it was kind of her favorite thing. And at one point, she even kind of, I guess, jokingly brought it down to breakfast and kind of pretended as if, oh, the doll is going to be joining us for breakfast. And, you know, it, it was kind of a joke, but a mm -hmm. cute thing. And 
Ed said that on the third day, after kind of joking around with the doll, that the raggedy arms, you know, they're they're not plastic, so they're just, they're very loose, mm -hmm. lifted themselves up and put it on the table. Uh. Right? But the two nurses, they weren't too, they didn't get scared, they were more curious because mm -hmm. they were thinking, oh my goodness, maybe a spirit has possessed this doll. Mm -hmm. And one of the nurses did know a, a medium. So they mm -hmm. went ahead to set up a seance in their apartment and kind of figure out who was possessing the doll. And they did the seance and sure enough, uh, the medium said that the doll was possessed by a six or seven year old girl um, by the name of Annabelle and she had died in a car accident outside of their apartment complex. Hmm. And afterwards, the, the nurses kind of felt bad for the spirit of the little girl and kind of began treating the doll as if it was a little girl. So they would take the doll out on outings. Uh, they bought the doll clothing and jewelry and they were they would talk to the doll as if it was a little girl. And then uh, other weird things started to happen in the house. Now, according to Ed, his uh, interview, he said that all of the weird things started to happen after the seance. Um, but then again, in another interview that Tony had, he says that it was happening before the seance. So again we have two different renditions of the yeah. story but the weird things that were happening no matter what that happened whether before or after the seance the girls shared a room and they said that they would see weird flashes of light kind of go through the room they would hear kind of loud knocking kind of happening on the walls and around their apartment mm -hmm. and whispering like something other things um, that was said to have happened were notes under one of the nurses' bed that were written in parchment that either said, help, help us or help me. And then there was a time where the doll, they would leave it in the bedroom and one day, and because of all of this weird stuff happening in the apartment, they were kind of scared to be alone. Mm -hmm. So they were able to arrange it to where they had the same shift at the hospital at the same time so that they were together all mm -hmm. the time. And so this was uh, one point where they had the same shift. They left the doll in the bedroom. They come home and the doll is right there at the, the front door. Mm -hmm. And so I, like Robert, the doll is moving itself uh, around the apartment. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the nurses had a fiance and he was creeped out by the doll and said that it was evil and that they needed to burn it. Mm -hmm. And one day he was in the apartment and he was napping on the couch and he had a nightmare that the doll was strangling him and he wakes up and the nightmare was so vivid. He actually went to go check to see if he had any marks around his neck. And he says that he did see marks around the neck. Uh, then he goes and he picks up the doll and he throws it and says, you're just a raggedy Ann doll. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm paraphrasing like you're not powerful or something. Just like you're just a raggedy Ann doll. Oh, you can't hurt me. 
and apparently or allegedly seven psychic slices say that three times fast <laughs> uh, uh, happened on his chest uh, and his belly so his torso area so basically it, the the psychic slice is as if something had cut him yeah. uh, and yeah. so it started bleeding through his shirt and that is when the nurses went ahead and they contacted they were catholic so they contacted let's see do i have his name uh, the so they're in hartford connecticut so they contacted the priest in their area who then contacted uh, father richard noland and he was ordained to perform exorcisms so in order to gather information he went ahead and contacted the warrens uh, the, as soon as the warrens came in and kind of were doing their interview they knew something was wrong Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Ed uh, Warren, he says that, this is his beliefs, that God would never allow the spirit of a six-year-old to inhabit a doll. Like, he, he does not believe mm-hmm. that God would ever allow that sort of thing to happen. And that based on what they were saying, that no human spirit has that kind of power. And that they were probably working with a demon who had appeared as a child in a way to prey on the the nurses because you know they felt sorry because as, as soon as they learned it was a child they started giving this thing this object attention and affection adoration and that what they were hearing the whispers and the lights and the knocking Uh, was actually the second stage of what Ed Warrens uh, calls a demon possession. Uh, So there are five stages. The first is the permission because you have to allow these evil spirits to come into your area. Uh, The second was the infestation. So that's the knocking, the pounding, and the whispering. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then comes uh, the oppression. Uh, that's where they break down usually the weakest person in the household the one, or the one who lacks faith so that they're weak enough to allow for the possession and then eventually if nothing is done it does lead to death and so those were the five stages so they were able to stop this at the second stage uh, so the priest uh, Father Nolan was brought in. He did an exorcism on the apartment. He did an exorcism on both of the nurses and the fiance. And then the Warrens uh, took over Annabelle. And they were asked, how come you're not going to destroy Annabelle? And Ed Warren says, well, she's a vessel. If we destroy the vessel, we have no idea where the, whatever is possessing it, where that's gonna go. So it is best that we take hold of it and that's something that ed and lorraine would actually do any sort of cursed items or unblessed items that they would run into they would go ahead and take it into their care and they have well it's not open now not just because of covid um but it's the the warren's occult museum in monroe connecticut and so that is where annabelle was taken in 1971 and she is put in the room with all of these other cursed and unblessed items 
Um, but at the time, she was just set in a little rocking chair with some caution tape mm-hmm. around it. She wasn't in the glass box that we see her in now. And since she has been in the Warren's possession, there have been a few instances where Annabelle has kind of shown her evil powers. Mm-hmm. So one of them, um, uh, not too long after Annabelle had come into the possession of the Warrens, uh, the Warrens had talked about Annabelle on one of the local channels. Uh, they had like a public, uh, their own little uh, show, you know, public service show so mm-hmm. in that area. And they had talked about Annabelle, so she was kind of uh, known in that area. And a local priest, he was young, and he came to visit the Warrens. Uh, he said he wanted to show off his new car. He was very proud of it. And he went and he took him for a drive. And as he was driving back to their place, kind of brought up Annabelle saying, Hey, I hear you have this doll that created slashes and that it's evil. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if I would be able to check her out. And Ed Warren's like, Oh, absolutely. So they get back to the place and uh he takes the priest uh, to where annabelle is sitting in the rocking chair and the priest stares at it and then he just like the the fiance of the nurse he picks up the doll and he throws it and he says that god is stronger than any devil and at that point, Ed Warren was like, yes, God is stronger than many devils, but kind of was politely being like, but you're not God. Like, yeah, you really shouldn't you're have not. done yeah. that. Uh, so the priest, um, on his way home, uh, he loses control of his brand new car. And he ends up getting into an accident with a truck to the point where apparently it was a miracle that he survived. So it pretty much shears off half of his car. And he says that the last thing he remembers seeing is the image of the doll. Uh, Tony even says that he sees the doll in his rearview mirror sitting in the back seat, or at least the vision of the doll, and then gets mm-hmm. into this accident. The other incident is with a detective. Uh, the detective was visiting the Warren's home. Ed and Lorraine Warren would help out uh, every once in a while. Ed uh, would use his knowledge of the occult and witchcraft practices, and Lorraine would help out with her clairvoyance. So the detective had a child murder case that he was uh, needing their help on. He was mm-hmm. at their place, and he was interested in seeing the room where all of those cursed and unblessed items had been kept. It, you know, it's an, it's an oddity. It's a curiosity. <laughs> and when he goes into the room, the doll, Annabelle, really grabs his focus. Like, he kept mentioning how creepy it was. Yeah. And while they're in the room, Ed gets a phone call that he needs to go take. So he says to the detective, you can stay here, just don't touch anything. Ed believed that these items had an evil aura and that if you, even if you just touched it, you could mix your aura with theirs. And Ed is on the phone. He says he wasn't on the phone any longer than 10 minutes when this detective, who's about, he says like 6'3", 240 pounds, so a nice burly man, Uh, comes in and he's like so shaken and afraid that Ed thinks he needs to call an ambulance for him. 
and uh, he has him sit down. He's like, I'm going to get you an ambulance. And the detective says, no, 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 I don't need an ambulance. I, I just need to sit and, and calm down for a bit. And I don't want to talk about what happened to me. And Ed's like, oh, oh okay, are, are you sure? And he's like, yes, I'm going to be fine. Just don't ever ask me what happened. And Lorraine comes in and he says, well, I will, I'll talk to her. I'll let her know what happened. But when he talked to her, he swore her to secrecy that she was never to speak of this with anybody else Jeez. ever again. So Lorraine Warren is really the the only person aside from the detective that really knows, knows what, what happened. happened. Uh, but Ed, when he went back into the room, he kind of had an idea of what had happened. He believes the detective had picked Annabelle up uh, from her rocking chair mm-hmm. and that there was... Uh, some sort of combination of his aura with this evil object's aura and that something ensued because it it looked as if there had been a struggle. All of these different objects had been knocked over and knocked down. And and so that's what Ed believes and that it shook up the detective so much he quit the force about three months after that incident and moved across country to California and Mm -hmm. never uh, had contact with the Warrens after that. And then the third story uh, resulted in a death. Ed Warren believes that it was caused by Annabelle. And so at this time, Annabelle is in her glass box and Mm -hmm. uh, the occult museum is open. People are coming through, they're touring it. And a group of college kids come to visit the museum. And they're mm-hmm. not very respectful. They don't really believe in any of it. They think it's hocus pocus. Oh, no. uh, one very uh, uh, full of himself college student uh, is talking about, oh, let me see this doll that caused uh, the, the psychic slashes. Oh, oh and he's like uh, knocking on the glass of the doll, kind of just challenging the doll to, you yeah. know, oh, you're just a dumb doll. I think I met him at Halloween Horror Night. Oh, yes, they, yeah, like, oh, you're just in a mask. Yeah, it's like, then why are you here? Uh, yeah, so he's causing such a, a scene that Ed actually kicks him and his group out of the museum. And three hours later, there is a motorcycle accident, and this young man dies. And his motorcycle apparently crashed into a tree. So wow. he, I think, dies on impact his girlfriend is injured to the point where she's in a hospital for the hospital for a a length of time Uh, tony and ed say almost a year Uh, so far i didn't find any other incidences where annabelle has been able to be completely evil Uh, there (laughs) when the museum was open uh, people would take photographs and there were times where the people claimed they could see eyes behind the button eyes that would follow Ugh. that would follow you uh there was a rumor that came out in august 14th of this year that annabelle had escaped um and that was actually not true annabelle didn't escape it's a raggedy ann doll what had happened was uh, Annabelle Williams was doing an interview and it had been printed in the Chinese tabloid and she had been talking about working with Tom Cruise on The Mummy, how he does his own stunts um, and how in some movies she had done her own stunts 
and they showed a a picture of one of those stunts where she's you know running away from what looks like an explosion mm-hmm. i think the uh, caption was basically you know annabelle is running away you know annabelle williams is running away but there was something in translations where it looked mm. as if annabelle escapes and yeah. so then the internet became a twitter <laughs> with um claims that this evil doll was on the loose uh, tony spare came on and you know was like nope here she is yeah she's in her glass box we also have a security system mm-hmm. uh, she stays here in the museum she does get moved out of the museum when Tony says there is a heightened level of paranormal activity. And then at that point in time, just for safety, they do remove her from the museum. Mm-hmm. And that she is blessed, I believe, on a weekly basis by a Catholic priest. It's more of like a binding, a binding spell. Um, people have tried to buy Annabelle from mm. Tony. And Judy, uh, he says at one point he was offered up to $2 million for the doll. Oh, wow. But he says that it's... It's Zach Baggins trying to buy it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he's saying that it's his duty to keep the vessel safe. Mm -hmm. So it was willed to him and his wife, Judy, who is the daughter of Ed and Lorraine. So Ed died in august of 2006 he had had a stroke about uh not too long not too long a few years before that so he was already not doing very well his health Mm -hmm. um he had always had heart issues and lorraine actually passed away not too long ago she passed away april of 2019 so like at the ripe old age of 92. wow and uh, i think she kind of consulted on the first the conjuring movie but at that mm-hmm. point in time you know she was getting older she's in one of them she has like had, a small it would have had to have been the first one because she yeah. had passed uh, no 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 I, I don't know if she was coherent for the second one or something like yeah that. yeah yeah she's like a very small like yes cameo in one of them and in the first conjuring um they do mention annabelle of course, they use a different doll because right now Annabelle is the copyright is owned by Hasbro, and you don't, I don't think, or exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they use a different version of the doll. Um, but the very beginning of that movie kind of goes into like the basics of how with the nurses. Yeah, yeah exactly. They don't go into much detail, and then the movies are. Com- complete fiction they have nothing to do with the actual mm-hmm. stories even annabelle comes home i watched it just to see just to see if maybe they have any of the actual mm-hmm. stories that ed talked about no it's all made up so yeah if you've watched the movies you're not going to get a spoiler of what actually happens <laughs> the only thing that's so the same about it is the name exactly pretty much and that the nurses uh had her and so right now um the occult museum in monroe connecticut is not open uh, due to well covid and zoning laws um uh, so apparently it was the area was rezoned um they can't have uh, the museum they have been looking for another location um, right now, you can still see kind of a virtual tour. If you go on to the Ed and Lorraine YouTube channel, you can see uh, Isabel, not Isabel, Annabelle. You can see Annabelle. 
some other other possessed dolls and other items that have also been possessed as well. And Annabelle will, will remain with Tony and Judy. Um, as of right now, they haven't made any plans on what will happen to Annabelle when they pass on. Because mm. who wants that to be left to them in the will? <laughs> it's, not, it's not going to me. Exactly. Um, yeah, that was wonderful. Uh, I have one thing to end our day with. As you guys know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I heard about what I'm going to talk about real quick uh, on a podcast, uh, which I just recently got into called Two Girls, One Ghost. Oh, no. <laughs> it's actually, um, they're great. Okay, good. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Aeonian Spirits. Ooh. So uh, if you guys want to purchase a haunted doll yourselves, you can actually get one on Etsy under the shop Aeonian Spirits. This is a real shop on Etsy. No. Uh, on the podcast, they have a a woman write in about her adoption experience and I definitely suggest uh, finding that episode and listening to it Uh, but uh, I'm going to read a little bit of uh, what it says here in the shop it says hello welcome to Anonian Spirits which is spelled A-E-O-N-I-A-N and I think I'm pronouncing it right Uh, if you are interested in adopting a haunted vessel Please send us a message and fill out adoption form seen as seen below. Your wow. order your order will be canceled if you attempt to purchase anyone without completing the adoption process and setting up a reserve with us first. So they ask basic things like your name, your age, uh, which doll you're interested in adopting. Uh, why do you connect with the spirit in question? Why do you think they would be well-suited for your home? What are your interests and hobbies, day-to-day routine? Include activities you would potentially enjoy doing with your spirited friend. Who lives in your household? Your pets, your family, kids, spirits, etc. Uh, and are each of them aware and accepting the spirit may be moving in? Uh, Do you have experience with haunted dolls or the paranormal? Uh, Do you currently share your home with any spirits or spirited vessels? Please include names, ages, and personalities. Oh, man. What are your preferred methods of communication with spirits, Ouija board, pendulum, meditation, EVP, etc.? Would you like to share a photo of the space you plan to keep their vessel? Uh, please res- re- review our adoption rules as well. Do not place your purchase until you have been approved. Uh, do not uh, house haunted vessels in glass cases. Uh-oh. <laughs> glass is a draining barrier. Oh, that makes sense. There we go. And can negatively affect your new friend. Do not attempt to alter or switch your spirit vessel in any way unless specifically and explicitly requested. Uh, wow. Yeah. Please be reminded that these spirits are not here to be investigated or used for anyone's entertainment. Each and every one of these haunted vessels are occupied by people. People who are just like you and me, grandparents, parents, children, siblings, friends, partners. 
They each have lives, memories, personalities, interests, thoughts, needs, emotions, quirks, joys, sorrows. They are people in all caps. Each and every one of them are deserving of respect as human beings and should be granted safety and happiness in this new phase of life. Well, I guess that goes against everything that uh, Ed Warren said. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, well, I don't think Annabelle was necessarily haunted by a person. It seemed like it was a demon pretending to be a little girl, in yes, my opinion. Yes, but, but I, I think what J- Jameson is saying, that according to Ed Warren, these kind of God wouldn't allow mm-hmm. for these people to haunt these objects. I don't think Ed Warren or Lorraine would approve of this at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. So throughout here, there's quite a few dolls on this site most of them are already reserved they range uh anywhere from fifty dollars to seventy eighty dollars uh they also have on here it looks like a haunted locket but too bad that's already reserved for somebody uh as well so uh yeah lots of five-star reviews Love, love, my Abby. She's so pleasant to be around. Very quiet. I don't get any activity, and that's okay. Her energy is great. She loves to ride with me. Great buying experience. Uh, I got Debbie today, and she's absolutely delightful. She has such a sweet, positive, energetic energy about her. Uh, I got a picture where it appears she was petting my cat. You can see the energy near my kitty's face. And they have the picture here. Oh, what do you think? Uh, It looks like the cat sniffing the doll. Yeah, what am I looking at? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh Uh-oh. I went back too far. Where is is Debbie and the cat? Sorry, I need need to take a look at it. Debbie is holding a smaller doll that looks like her and the cat looks like it's sniffing the doll the little dolls i uh, i am not seeing what the energy would be i'm not seeing aura i'm not i don't but it seems she has like an evp meter in the shot i don't really see what it's reading here yellow uh but i'm not here to make fun of this site at all i truly believe that uh there is something to this uh as well uh you know it's uh very interesting you know so yeah if you want to buy your own uh vessel in the form of a doll you can check out anonian spirits on etsy i'm good i don't, <laughs> I don't think i purposefully right. want to buy a haunted uh, I'm very don't. curious, but I don't willingly invite this stuff into my premises. I have done Ouija board yeah. at my apartment. I, and there was nothing. There was nothing, nothing because my apartment is not haunted at this time. I'm not going to take steps to haunt my apartment. <laughs> uh, and I'm probably not going to do Ouija board much more in that area because I didn't get anything. And also, like, uh, I don't want to invite anything, anything in, can, yeah. you know. So, so I do I, want to take it to uh, a few haunted places. I would like to visit the Biltmore Hotel at some point and bring the board 
in. Uh, I have brought it onto the Queen Mary, and that experience will be on our Queen Mary episode. Because uh, there was just one thing I can't explain, uh, and a lot of nothing. But yeah. uh, but at least one thing. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Assignments for next week. Okay. Awesome. So, Jameson will not be with us at that time. I'll, I'll, put in like, <laughs> I'll put in funeral music right now. Um, Jameson will no longer be with us until uh, <laughs> the next raise week. him from the dead. He'll be back the following week. Uh, an adult. Where that following week we'll talk about some spooky folklore. Uh, next week, though, we're going to divert a little bit from the haunted things and go back to some Hollywood uh, bank robberies, yeah. which I think would be kind of neat to talk about. Uh, particularly, Pat, I'm going to assign you the true story behind the movie Dog Day Afternoon, which I think is very interesting. Uh, I'm going to talk about a very, uh, what I think is interesting, a real bank robbery that happened in North Hollywood right around the corner from where I live currently. And where you go to the bank. Where I go to the bank, actually. (laughs) Oh, Uh, I know that story. Yeah. Uh, And... Roxana, I would like you to talk about uh, the wonderful Patty Hearst. Woohoo! Um, and if you could talk maybe a little bit about who William Randolph Hearst is, but don't go into too much detail because I do want to talk about him uh, and uh, murder involving him or he was associated with without going into too much detail on another episode. But Miss Patty Hearst, she is very interesting. Uh, yeah, we'll okay. talk about that. Yeah. So, a little bank robbery episode for next week. Uh, and it'll be a lot of fun. Hollywood's Haunted, the podcast, is the collective work of the owners and employees of Hollywood's Haunted Tours. I guess that's us, guys. Uh, and. Hey, that's me. Oh, that's you. I do the tours. Not at the moment, but hopefully this summer. Uh, and is available on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, like, and share, because sharing is scary. And don't forget to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash hhthepodcast. For more exclusive contact, stickers, shirts, and much more. Yay, that's all going to be on our Patreon. It is there now. Um, For more information on Hollywood's Haunted, visit our website at hollywoodshaunted.com. If you have any questions or suggestions or paranormal experiences of your own, celebrity encounters, any cool, fun uh murder stories you would like to talk about hopefully none that you committed um, <laughs> and if you did it's fine and if you thanks for giving us the exclusive did uh yeah cool uh email us at hollywoodshaunted at gmail.com stay spooky everybody Wah. Ooh. Wah. Game up.